Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Season 2, Episode 16, Murphy's Luck. Yeah, like Murphy's Law, but luck instead. Okay, I guess that's... Look, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that are first thoughts. But overall, I think it's a good episode. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay, and we do... I, I agree. I think this is a... Very solid entry in the Charmed canon. Sure, sure. I feel like we really need to leave this off with a trigger warning, though, because this oh. is a whole episode about self-harm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so this episode deals with a dark lighter convincing women to kill themselves. So if you have any triggers with suicide or intrusive thoughts or anything of that nature... Um, just really do what you need to do to be safe and maybe skip this episode if you need to. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see you all back here next week if if that is the case. Yeah, we've got a relatively innocuous episode next time. I don't remember that episode. It's called How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans, though. Uh, it's introducing the sister's never-before-mentioned aunt who is uh, building a demon out of, like, people parts... So that it can grant her and her elderly friends youth. Okay, well, if you need to nope out, we totally understand. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks for How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans. Or next week for The Locket on Farscape, which is an amazing episode. So we'll see you there. But as for this week, uh, we are talking about Murphy's Luck, a.k.a. the eighth day, Okay, so that's what it says on the google play download and that's what it says on the dvd but search as i might i could not see why it was aka the eighth day i have no idea if if you know tweet at us tweet at i love tv zines at twitter and you know tell us because i couldn't find it it seems like it has nothing at all to do with the episode yeah i i don't i don't know where that came from at all this episode was uh, directed by John Baring and written by David Simpkins. So, hey, David Simpkins, if you're out there listening, tweet at us and tell us why it's AKA the Eighth Day. Yeah, we have generally positive things to say about this episode. So, unlike other episodes, it's okay if you listen to this one. I mean, he's written several episodes and, and John Baring has directed several episodes. Not all ones we've been kind to, but you know. Mm. Although, you know what? Mostly, mostly we have been kind to their episodes. So it's not Wedding from Hell or anything. No. Although I guess every writer who ever existed worked on Wedding from Hell, so. Yeah, it's like, there's a reason that episode was like that. So the episode opens at a photo shoot. Prue is applying for a fancy photographer's job at a fancy, question mark, fancy magazine? I don't know. It's a... It's it's a weekly San Francisco magazine. I don't I don't really understand what the deal is with this magazine. I feel like it's a magazine that you get free next to the door at like hip coffee shops. Yeah, it's kind of played like it's like this ultra hip, you know. What was that magazine from that TV show? Like Smash or Oh yeah, wait. Do you mean do you, by that TV show do you mean Sabrina the Teenage Witch? No, I thought Sabrina was ripping something off with, they had like the one. Oh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch was ripping off Spin Magazine, which is the real magazine. Yeah, yeah. 
But this this magazine isn't spin because it's a it's a local. Like it aspires to be spin. It's weird that the guy's acting like this is such a, I mean, I guess if you're the editor of a magazine, you're going to act like it's the biggest thing on the face of the planet, even if it's not. Listen, he's the photo editor. He needs to calm down. Yeah, this isn't living single. You're not Khadijah. Exactly. Calm down. The photo shoot that Prue is at to, uh, to pitch herself to this guy. Okay, first of all, weird that he made her come pitch at a photo shoot because I feel like he's not giving her his full attention if he's at a photo shoot. And he's also not giving the photography his full attention, which one would think you would do at a photo shoot. Right? Also, they're photographing some band that just reminds me of DuJour from the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Like, that's all I could think. Severely underrated movie. Best comic book movie ever. I mean, the... What are you doing here? I was in the comic book. That line kills me every time. I know it's coming. I like that actress. I feel like she stopped appearing in stuff after the late 90s stopped needing a mean girl. Yeah, I guess. I think that's probably right. So Prue is applying to be a photographer for this magazine. And the guy's like, yeah, your portfolio is amazing. Even though it's all like arty black and white shots. And I feel like that's not what you would want for a glossy magazine like this. Not really. She has like all of these pictures of kids at the beach. I'm like, do you know these children, Prue? Were Were you just wandering around the beach taking pictures of random kids? Because if so, probably shouldn't be in your portfolio. Well, I assume this is a portfolio she put together at school. So this was probably like some art project she did when she was in college yes as the photo editor mentions he's like well i'd love to hire your portfolio but i don't want to hire your resume you've never had a photography job in your life and Prue's like yeah well you know you're not hiring either my photo you're not hiring my resume you're hiring me what on earth does that have to do with i mean i guess it would show that like she could meet deadlines or whatever but so this actually kind of reminds me of something Neil Gaiman said about comic books and, and working with people on creative projects. And he says that when you're working with someone on a creative project, do you want them to be talented, a good worker, like they hit their deadlines and they get everything in, and also a decent human who is not going to be a jackass? And generally, you settle for two of the three. Mm. So... I guess here he's like, well, I know that you have the talent, although question mark, because as I said, this isn't magazine photography. and This he... is hotel lobby photography. Oh, mean, mean. Mm. Anyway, he has no idea if she'll... Meet deadlines. Or be a terrible human being. And, and by the way, he has no idea if she'll meet deadlines. Like, put a pin in that. By the way, from what I've heard about comic writers, it seems like frequently you... Can only get one out of the three? Yes. Yeah, well. I mean, that's a gross generalization. So he decides to give her a shot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, he, he doesn't lean on that in a dad joke way. And I'm like, you're missing an opportunity here, director of Charmed. Yes, apparently they're doing an article about the unluckiest woman in San Francisco, even though she's Irish. Maggie Murphy, the unluckiest woman in San Francisco. She used to do a lot of good stuff to get good place points, like run charities and volunteer and stuff. And now her luck is terrible. I would not. I don't think I'd read that article. That doesn't sound like an appealing article to me. Right? It just sounds heartbreaking. Also, I do want to point out that 
he talks about how much bad luck she's had and they bring that up throughout the episode and she even says things like she's staying away from her family because she doesn't want them to be affected i think she kind of implies that her brother died because of her well this is what i was gonna say they never really tell us what this run of bad luck was and i think that that's on purpose i think they probably cut those lines because they realized how ghoulish this magazine article is if they get into the details of what her bad luck was. Well, apparently this magazine article is just following up on a TV special about her. Or... I think it was like on the news. It was like the lighter side of the news. Boy, does this woman have bad luck. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. See, kids, life wasn't great before the internet, too. Oof. So... We go from that to Maggie on the roof of her building, thinking about jumping. And we see a dark lighter behind her. We know he's a dark lighter because he does the dark orbing thing behind her. Yes, he dorbs in. He dorbs in. And we see him, like, literally putting the intrusive thoughts in her head that it's her fault that everyone around her gets hurt and that she doesn't deserve to live and that she's cursed. So she decides she's going to kill herself. And luckily... See? Luck. Luck. No, no, I I mean that, really. Like, supposedly she has very bad luck, but if we're thinking about this, I mean, the reason that the dark lighter is coming after her is because otherwise she would become a white lighter when she dies. So this is definitely, like, a battle between the source of all evil and the elders. And so the elders couldn't change her luck, but they could get Prue there. So we're not in the questionable uh questionable quality seasons of charmed yet uh-huh but i'm just gonna bring it up now in the future of charmed luck is specifically a leprechaun thing there are multiple episodes dealing with leprechauns being the purveyors of good and bad luck uh-huh i'm not saying it's like a plot hole or anything because this would be this is, you know, before they started leaning in on that sort of plot. Also, guardian angels were a thing later in the show. Even, even though, though white lighters are guardian angels? Yeah, and guardian angels seem to have something to do with luck. Like they stopped accidents from befalling you. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that episode now. I, I, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm, I'm just going to be glad that we got this episode here and not when there were leprechauns because... If we had to deal with Maggie Murphy, the unluckiest woman in San Francisco, and leprechauns, the tonal dissonance in this episode would have been too much to handle. Because mm. Maggie is, uh, she's really doing a good job selling this. I feel like the script is honestly not giving her a ton to work with. But, you know, she's, she's good. Keep an eye on this actress. I feel like she's going places. Mm. She has this very... Manic, but in a bad way. I guess manic Haunted. is in a bad way. Uh, no, because she's high energy depressed. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. So, like, is there a word for a negative manic episode? Because she seems to kind of be having one of those, I guess, a breakdown. Yeah, yeah. So, Prue pulls up outside of her building, 
sees her on the ledge, compares her to the picture that she has uh, of the person who she's going to photograph, and is like, oh, this is the person I'm supposed to photograph. I guess I better save her then. And it's really lucky that she was the one that Prue was assigned to take pictures of because of her bad luck. I just, I can't get over that that's what they're writing an article about. I, I don't even know. Anyway, Prue Astral projects up behind her and is like, wait, don't do it. And she's like, oh, how did you get on this roof? I mean, she, she could have just walked through the roof door. I mean, I, I know, like, Maggie wasn't really in a state to notice anyone coming up on the roof. So, yeah. And Maggie jumps anyway, like. Well, she falls. It's an important distinction. She's talking. She turns to Prue and she's talking with Prue and she takes a step backwards accidentally and falls. You know what? You're right. That is an important distinction. We'll talk about this later, but the dark lighter shouldn't have let that happen. Yeah, if if she dies by accident, then... She becomes a white lighter. Yeah, she racked up a, enough good place points so that she would have qualified for white lighter dumb. Huh. Anyway, Prue... Tries and fails to pull her up and then unastral projects so she can use her telekinesis to catch her. Yeah, well, she uses her telekinesis to kind of push her to the side so that she hits an awning and, and is okay. And... Uh... I, I know, right? That would still be horrifying. Like, I... She fell off most of a building and she hit an awning that was like right at the bottom. I mean, she walks away from this fall, but well, maybe, maybe the terrible green screen effect caught her fall. (laughs) It's a really bad effect. No, that was Prue's telekinesis working to slow her. (laughs) Anyway, Prue runs off and the dark lighter looks on and says, well, of all the luck. Oh my God. Also... I mean, I get that you're doing bad luck stuff to her, but it seems kind of unrelated to the whole whispering in her ear intrusive thought suicide thing. Well, he needs to make her think that everyone would be better off without her, right? He needs to get Mr. Potter to steal the money so that she thinks that she would be better off dead than alive to to make a reference to It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, I guess I was just thinking the thing with intrusive thoughts in real life is that they don't need to be linked with actual things that have actually happened. In fact, they're usually not. Intrusive thoughts are usually not connected to reality and and not an indication of who you are as a person. So, yeah. So I guess he does need to do the bad luck thing, so... Because it's not real intrusive thoughts. I mean, to be fair, I call... Yeah, I called them intrusive thoughts. That's not... No, but that is what he's doing. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it still feels kind of like the bad luck thing is disconnected from the pushing someone into suicide thing. But, uh. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I don't want to get into what a misunderstanding this is of, of what depression is because... This is this is weirdly very um, Joker in its philosophy on how the brain works because it's, it's all you need is one bad day. All you need is one bad day, and that's just not the way it works. But that does seem to be what this episode thinks happens, right? All you need is one bad day to push you over the edge. But no, no. 
So after seven million years of establishing shots of San Francisco, we go into the charmed kitchen where Alyssa Milano is just, she's wearing an outfit. Yeah, she I mean, is. She's kind of wearing an outfit. Yeah, she's wearing a trendy kind of tattoo shop crop top and olive green cargo pants. And I just want to point out, this is the third episode in a row that opens after the cold open with Piper and Phoebe in the kitchen talking about Piper's relationship with Dan and Leo. God. Well, at least we're at the end of this particular cul-de-sac because Dan is on his like a millionth vacation since he since he you know first appeared in the show. Okay, I don't think he's on vacation though. I think he's off for work. I'm just saying the guy travels a lot. Yeah, but if he's traveling for work, that would make sense that he travels a lot. Like if that's part of his job. As a construction worker. He's a contractor. That's different. Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't just do the work. He like deals with the contracts. He like. I, I could see it. I could see him having to travel for work. Although he's in New York, right? That means his company is somehow big enough that he's working in both San Francisco and New York. That's... Well, he's a former baseball man. He used to play for the Mariners. So he probably gets a lot of men who want him to design whatever the early 2000s equivalent of man caves were. I'm just saying I work with developers. I don't know many who work on both coasts simultaneously. Hmm. But I'm sure it happens. Anyway, <laughs> he's gone. He's in New York. Don't worry about where he is. Worry about the fact that... Piper can't get any of that good ex-angel dick until she officially breaks up with Dan. Yeah, yeah. Also, she doesn't have a reason to break up with Dan other than the fact that she's in love with Leo. And it's like, you know... You, you don't... don't need a... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, you don't need a reason. I love, though, that Phoebe is giving her advice because Phoebe is very good at giving advice. If you have a problem, just ask Phoebe. Oh. Oh. But yes, keep Phoebe's good advice giving in your back pocket. It may become relevant later. Her good advice here, by the way, is follow your heart. Thank Which you, is Phoebe. not so much good advice as something that you would expect to see cross-stitched on a throw pillow. Who is she? Cyclops talking to Dracula? He said in a reference to the very, very popular X-Men versus Vampires miniseries. A reference everyone will get. <laughs> I Listen, that that particular miniseries or, or Whatever arc, it was. Yeah, that, that particular arc holds a special place in my heart because at, at an important turning point... In my life, a friend I was asking for advice from sent me just that panel of Cyclops saying, I want you to follow your heart. <laughs> to Dracula. Honestly, it's a really dumb miniseries, or whatever it was, but it has some fun moments, like a priest blessing Iceman, so he can just kill vampires that touch him. Smart. Yeah. Can priests do that? Is that Yes. A... Okay. I mean, I know they could make holy water, but... I don't know. I assumed that once it was part of a living dude, it might not count anymore. Like might if you not be dra- holy anymore? Yeah, like if you drank it, then you couldn't just pee on vampires and set them on fire. I need Would to call you? a Jesuit and look into this 
when we are done recording, I will get a Jesuit on the phone. At the police station, Daryl has brought Maggie in to fill out a report about her Incident. jump. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go into the police station because there are people with guns and accidents happen around her and an accident prone person and guns is a bad combination and good for her for knowing that and also good for her for being the only hero like like protagonist good character in fiction who knows to say am i under arrest and daryl's like no which i guess makes sense i she's not under arrest i'd imagine she'd be under psychiatric hold and not at a police station but well actually when we see her later she is under psychiatric hold so Mm. yeah she she's making like a stop at the police station before that or i have no idea i mean i guess daryl was i don't i don't know i don't know so daryl asks if there's anyone he can call you know anyone in her life and she's like no i need to stay away from people because i'm bad luck and you know if it weren't for that angel i would have died and daryl's like jesus fucking christ these okay. sisters. Can I not have one case that doesn't involve the freaking Hallowells? It's like, okay, so was this angel... Was this angel a brunette? Was she a different kind of brunette? <laughs> or a third kind of brunette? Or was she a third kind of brunette? <laughs> oh, so speaking of this angel... Smash cut to Prue. Yes, Prue walks back into the manor, and she's like, yeah, I got the job, but also... Then the person I was supposed to photograph tried to jump off a building. Or, you know, I guess did. And Phoebe's like, huh, weird. So what's this role of film? And Bruce's like, put that away. It'll become relevant later in the episode. <laughs> so I actually really, I know we were just making fun of Phoebe's advice giving prowess before. Mm-hmm. But I really do like that when Prue is getting upset about what happened, she says... That she's been dwelling on the idea of, like, if I had been there a minute later, I wouldn't have been able to save this girl. And Phoebe tells her that she was exactly where she needed to be. She was where she was supposed to be. Like, the universe was getting her to where she needed to be to do the good she needed to do. And so she didn't need to dwell on what might have happened because, you know, there's something bigger looking out for them. Which... Might be kind of a hollow expression here in reality, but they literally know. (laughs) The universe is literally taking pains for them to be places. So, it's, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying it. But it's also really weird to see the sisters this invested in innocence. I guess just because the whole second half of charmed is about more or less ignoring responsibility mm-hmm. it's weird to see a sister feeling responsibility well she feels bad that she almost didn't save someone as almost opposed to being annoyed that she had to not do her job because she had to save someone's life which is what we're going to see in the later half of this series it's true or very frequently being completely apathetic to the problems of people who are being hunted by demons. Oh, man. Anyway, the phone rings and it's Daryl and he's like, hey, just weird question, but did you 
Did you appear as an angel to an Irish woman and save her life? What is this weird fixation on this woman being Irish? Because she's unlucky, but also she's Irish. I have some I have some very unfun facts about the history of Ireland, just yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that most of their plays are, you know, beyond depressing. Yeah, that's 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 it's not wrong. But I mean, I guess luck of the Irish is a thing. I mean, I mean, it's a phrase. It's it's a phrase and leprechauns. It feel it feels it feels at least borderline offensive. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure the Irish have bigger problems to worry about than, than this episode of Charmed. Well, I was thinking than the later episodes of Charmed with leprechauns, but. Yeah, they do. It's almost like people from Ireland are not necessarily inherently lucky in a way that would make you obsessively follow around a woman who is unlucky just because her probably grandparents came over from Ireland. Right? I I need to emphasize because we've been saying she's Irish. She's not even Irish. She's she's Irish-American. She's... You know, like third gen, third fourth generation Irish. I mean, I went to I went to college in Boston. I knew a lot of people who were very proud of Irish heritage, but this just seems weird. Yeah, she's not one of those people. Outside of the whole, I'm Irish. Why am I having bad luck? She didn't even say that. The photographer said that. She said nothing like that. And Daryl mentioned it. Yeah. Anyway, he tells Prue, uh, you know, don't come down to the station because she thinks you're an angel and we just do not want to deal with that. And Prue immediately grabs her stuff to go see Maggie, which I just, I, I love the immediacy of it. Like, we've barely, she's barely even hung up the phone before she's grabbing her stuff. Maybe Maggie will be able to tell her whether her coat is denim or not because God knows I couldn't tell. Well, I don't think it is. I Yeah, I think it's a different material that's trying to look denim. I actually kind of like her coat. It's it's like a long coat. It's like a trench coat, but it's it's light blue. Yeah, man, I'm not a fan of the look. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I prefer Prue's sweater sets. I feel like they're trying to sex her up clothing-wise. I think they're trying to make her look more hip. Mm. Now that she doesn't work at a museum or an auction house. Now that she's going to be a trendy photographer for 415 Magazine. Spoilers, I guess. Anyway, over at P3, Piper is doing inventory and there are too many swizzle straws and they spill. And now she has to get all close to Leo who's helping her do inventory. And he's like, why did you order so many? And she's like, they made a mistake. And he's like... It's lucky swizzle sticks don't go bad. And she's like, oh, you'd like it if they went bad, wouldn't you? Wait, wait. It only just now occurred to me. Is this like a metaphor? Like she has too many men and Leo's like, well, why did you order too many men? And she's like, I didn't. Too many men just showed up. And now I have to deal with the fact that there are too many men. The difference being that swizzle sticks have a purpose. Damn! (laughs) That's some that's some cold commentary. Also, it's unfair because Leo does quite a bit of narrative heavy lifting over the course of the show. 
Not so much neighbor Dan. Well, I have some thoughts on Leo as we get further into this episode. Mm. But for now, he's just disappointed because Piper says that she's upset because of Dan. And then Leo gets all sad. And Piper's like, I just know how upset he's going to be when I dump him for you. Which, wow, Piper. Okay, so normally, normally I don't like it when they do stuff like that. But in this case, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and and she obviously wasn't doing it on purpose. It's just she's completely preoccupied thinking about Dan. She's not thinking about Leo's feelings. Ooh, premonitions all over the place. God. So she starts leaning into Leo and she's like puckering up and she's lifting up her shirt and then she's like, JK, we can't do anything until I officially break up with Dan. Yep. Wah, wah. Yep. Hope you didn't get too much of a boner there, Leo. Also, she doesn't want to break up with him over the phone, and he is on the other side of the country, and he's not coming back for an entire week, so... <laughs> well, why don't you just orp her over there and... Oh, right. You can't do that anymore. Yes, we are reminded that Leo clipped his wings and is no longer an angel and has no angel powers, no matter how useful angel powers might be. Yep. Although, if there's a dark lighter around, isn't it a good thing that he doesn't have his white lighter powers? Yeah, because dark lighters and white lighters, like, sense each other. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, dark lighter venom is the only thing that can kill a white lighter. But also, I guess if a dark lighter shot you with an arrow, you'd die from it anyway if you were a regular person. It doesn't mean you'd be immune to dark lighter venom. It's just white lighters are weaker to it. Yeah, yeah. But the dark lighter won't automatically know where Leo is. But I guess that's... Why would he need to? Because he's just a guy now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... It's like shooting Batman with kryptonite bullets. (laughs) So the dark lighter disguises himself as a cop and walks into the police station, which confuses me because we've seen that no one else can see him. So why did he disguise himself as a cop? People can see him when he wants them to. But, yeah, he can also become socially invisible. So, eh. I, I guess I guess I'm nitpicking. Anyway... Daryl brings Maggie some coffee, and Maggie's like, I am not lying. I saw an angel, and she saved my life. And Daryl's like, look, yeah, I know, but can we please not talk about it loudly? Because just let's let's keep this between us. And then Maggie immediately spills the coffee on him. And we, you know, we cut to, uh, we cut to the dark lighter watching her evil, and he's like, ha ha ha, another, uh, another piece of the pie slips into place. Or a metaphor that actually exists. Another one of those pie wedges from Trivial Pursuit slides into the little circle thing that you move around the board. Ah, uh, one-eighth of my overly circuitous plan is complete. She spills coffee on Daryl. <laughs> Daryl has a very nice-looking suit in this episode. Or it's a regular looking suit, but he's zhuzhed looking it up. Looking good? Well, he's zhuzhed it up with a red shirt. Yeah, he looks good. He looks good in red. It's not an outfit you would want coffee spilled on. Although, I guess, I mean, you don't want coffee spilled on you because it will burn you. Right. I mean, you never want coffee spilled on you. So, speaking of things you don't want spilled on you, Maggie accidentally trips a cop who's walking past her, which causes him to fall into the water cooler which causes the water cooler to spill all over the surge protectors and knock out like 
all of the computers, probably erasing the arrest records of several people in town who didn't need arrest records. So thank you, Maggie and Darklighter. Yeah. Loitering should not be a crime. People should be allowed to stand places. There you go. So, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So, Prue is in the police station. She's like, poor Maggie. I know she needs an infusion of good luck, but I've never written a spell before. By the way, speaking of people who have invisibility, she and Phoebe are literally just like standing in the middle of the police station and nobody seems to notice them. But I'm sorry, continue. So Phoebe just tells her to, you know, write from the heart. And boy, Phoebe's going to that organ a lot this episode. But just write from the heart and believe in the, you know, power of love or whatever. Just, just think about how she feels and what she wants to, like, do for Maggie. And uh, she doesn't have to worry about it being personal gain because she's doing it for someone else. Well, no, I mean, th- that is accurate. She's, I mean, Maggie's the innocent that they were clearly put in position to save. Like, that. that's true. Hmm. I'm just saying Paige gets majorly uh, kicked by personal gain when she goes into the office and uses the Book of Shadows to help out all of her co-workers, which I feel like should not be the case. Yeah, but the elders hadn't specifically put her in a position to help them. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll talk about that when we get to Paige. So, Prue does a little rhyme and shoots a little... Very little rhyme. Yeah, apparently the forces of magic don't really care if what you're saying scans also can i just point out that phoebe's like oh just just say what you feel and it'll work even though she specifically said in heartbreak city that there's like a whole thing you have to do to make spells work there's like there's a whole grammar to spell crafting but whatever you have to like you have to put like the object first and then the desire next and like it's a whole grammar map thing. You need to map out a spell. But no, apparently just speak from the heart and do some real bad poetry and little glowing balls will shoot out of your hands and into Maggie, thus making her lucky. Yes. And she realizes that she's lucky when Daryl, coming back to her, trips in the water that spilled from the water cooler and she catches him because her luck is turning around. But the Darklighter sees all this go down and is like, oh, well, screw you then. Now you have bad luck, Prue. Yeah, the universe abhors a vacuum or whatever. Sure, there I you guess go. kind of the opposite of that. It's more the universe needs balance. So if Mackie's running off some uh, extra good luck, that bad luck needs to go somewhere and it's going to go into you. This next and- thing I will qualify is not her fault at all. Yeah, okay, so... Prue and Phoebe go, you know, they leave the police station, they get in the car, and when Prue is backing out of the parking spot, a cop car comes swinging around the, like, circular driveway at the police station and slams right into the back of the car. Yeah, that was, I mean, I guess bad luck doesn't mean things are directly your fault, but... But she's gonna blame herself, even though she looked behind her and there was no one there, and he was speeding in a parking lot. And he hits their car hard enough that... Phoebe gets, like, whipped forward and loses consciousness. Also, none of the, I I mean, I know it's because they're extras or whatever, but none of the cops in the parking lot seem to care at all what's going on. They're all kind of just milling around, casually sort of looking at the injured woman who can't stand under her own power. 
Oof. Well, we cut away from it pretty quickly, so I think it's probably safe to say that somebody at some point figures out what they need to do. Yeah, Prue. <laughs> so back at P3, Prue and Phoebe come back, and apparently they have, like, been to the hospital since now, and, and, and now they're back. Like, they went to the hospital, but we didn't need to see that scene, which is, is fair. We didn't need to see that scene, but... I mean, they're just... They're interrupting Leo and Piper, who are, you know, awkwardly standing on opposite sides of the bar because she can't touch his dick for another week. Yeah. And I mean, I shouldn't complain about them speeding things along because I that is what we want. That's how we want scripts to be structured. But also, a trip to the hospital would have taken a lot longer than <laughs> has appeared to pass. Yeah, they're frequent flyers. Oh, it's true. That's a good point. They have all of their information just right there. So... For now. Yes. Before they get a lean, mean healing machine just living in their... Is, is, is he... he still living in the club? I mean, spoiler alert, Leo gets his white lighter powers back. Does he just go to white lighter land to chill out when he's not with the charmed ones? I mean, he doesn't have his own place. Piper's canonically letting him sleep in the club as yeah. a mortal. Yeah, I think, I think he just chills out on... Top of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> there is a white lighter land. We know We know that. Yeah, but usually when white lighters are chilling with each other, it's on top of the Golden Gate Bridge because they built that set once and they were like, well, let's use this. Mm. So Prue accidentally knocks over a big box of the swizzle sticks. <gasps> Bad luck. Well, I mean, Piper and Leo literally just put them back. Mm. And then she gets a phone call from the photo editor at the magazine who's like where's my photo and she's like okay so here's what happened the thing that happened was i got to the build anyway she she goes off to try to keep her new boss from being super mad at her Mm -hmm. in all fairness i feel like she tried jumping off a building and the cops hustled her away before i could get a picture is a fair excuse i mean probably it still seems like the sort of thing that would stop you from getting hired because if the Devil Wears Prada has taught me anything, it's that, you know. Yeah, is that you editors be, are unreasonable? Yeah, you can be fired for any reason, real or imaginary. So as, I actually really love this. As Prue is leaving, she accidentally knocks over a tray of glasses and Piper freezes it in midair and... Then it's like, ah, screw it. Because it's going to be too much trouble to get over there and pick up all of the glasses before they hit the ground. So she just unfreezes it, lets them shatter. And Leo's like, Piper. And she's like, I'll clean it up. Yeah. And then Leo has a realization. He's like, wait, that girl. I assume that she has bad luck because a dark lighter is giving her bad luck. I know that's a kind of weird thing to jump to. What are Dark Lighters' job? I mean, I, I get that their jobs are just fucking with... Uh, Good people who will become White Lighters when they die. Or active White Lighters. Or active White Lighters. Or witches, right? Well, I, I don't think witches. I feel like they're exclusively a White Lighter targeting organization. But this is such a specific subset of Dark Lighter. Like... He doesn't even have the uh, standard Dark Lighter crossbow thing. Oh, well, when we get to the Book of Shadows, we'll see that there are actually categories of Dark Lighters. 
I wonder if we see other ones. I feel like we usually just get the crossbow ones. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to look closely when we get to the actual, when we get to that part. Hmm. Anyway, Prue and Phoebe arrive at the psych ward and the doctor is the dark lighter. And he's like, listen, once somebody has gotten depressed, they never get better. My, my, my job is a ruse. It does nothing. She's a lost soul. And I mean, obviously he's saying this because he's a dark lighter, but. Okay, so the episode also takes a cartoonishly long time to show us the doctor's face. They like keep shooting him from low angles during the first part of the conversation. So <gasps> it's a shock when we finally see his face half a minute later and it's the dark lighter. We didn't mention it earlier when Phoebe uh, decided to tag along with Prue to the police station, but Phoebe mentioned it then, and she mentions it here. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How could I have possibly forgotten? Please, please, please go on. Phoebe feels qualified to help out. Uh, because she took Psych 101! Yes, she, she is taking a psych class at college, and therefore she knows everything about the human mind. She even tells the doctor, and now to be fair, the doctor is actually a dark lighter in disguise, saying the worst possible thing to them to make them give up hope. But she's like, listen, that doesn't match with anything I know about psychology, and trust me, I know a lot. Also, I've taken a psych class, is gonna be Phoebe's new, I used to live in New York. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be her thing until... Until she gets a new thing. Yes. Is that... Still have that thing in your pocket? The thing I mentioned you putting in your pocket earlier? You still got that? Yeah, hang on to that. Hang on to that. So, Prue and Phoebe are just waved into this locked ward, which again, dark lighter, but maybe maybe they should have some red flags? Maybe they should be wondering why? Anyway, doesn't matter. They're let in, and the dark lighter casts a little spell that we see messes with Prue's camera. So we know that Prue's camera got messed with. Hmm. This is a very diverse power set he has for messing with people. Yeah, well, I mean, he essentially has the Scarlet Witch's powers, right? He he can mess with probability to make things unlucky. Yeah. Specifically her Silver Age powers, which she just caused vague, you know, vague bad luck. Yeah. Not her later ult- Not her later reality-altering powers, which, uh... Well, somebody realized that if you cause vague bad luck or vague good luck, that that means you're altering all of reality. Yeah. Anyway, they go up to Maggie and they're like, hey, I know you think I'm an angel, but actually I'm a photographer and that's why I was at your place. And uh, can I take your picture? And she's like, yes, because I feel amazing now. My life is back on track. Everything is great. And I want to help the world. Yes. Her one afternoon in the psych ward has been very illuminating. Well, I mean, really, we know that it's because Prue's spell worked and she she's no longer cursed. Mm. And I'm sure it feels great to no longer be cursed when you've been walking around being cursed. So I don't actually know a ton about this sort of thing, but this is a thing, right? Like a post-suicide... Uh, euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, it post -suicide is. Post-suicide attempt euphor uh, euphoria. Yeah, and I mean, that's not what's happening here, but... Yeah, in reality, I doctors would still be, you know, looking at her closely and making sure that she got support she needed. Or in an ideal world, they would be. Mm. So, anyway, she sits down and 
Prue takes pictures of her while Phoebe's like, hey, I'm a psych student. Can I interrogate you about your mental state when you jumped off a building? Which is like, Phoebe, rude. Real rude. Not okay. But since Maggie's a nice person, she's like, yeah, go ahead. I'll answer all of your questions. And Prue's taking pictures of her and... They don't look great to me. Even before, even before the dark lighter messed with her camera, they don't look great to me. Well, yeah, it's just, it's just Maggie sitting in the middle of a hallway, like, if Scrubs had talking head segments. Yeah, yes, they look like talking head segment pictures. They're not even, like, an interesting composition. Anyway, she says that she felt like she was cursed, which is the magic word for the charmed ones. Mm. And Prue's like, wait a second cursed i better go deal with this phoebe you stay here i gotta go and phoebe's like we came in the same car and prue's like you can get a cab and phoebe's like i'm a college student i don't have any money and prue's like bye (laughs) good luck with that phoebe if only san francisco had some sort of mass public transit you could use and maggie's like what is even happening sisters am i right Mm. also maggie still thinks prue's an angel Maggie's, Maggie does not buy the whole I'm a photographer thing. So back at the manor, they're in the attic and Piper's like, huh, yeah, says it right here in the Book of Shadows. Dark light, a special subset of dark lighters that like to, you know, get future white lighters to kill themselves. Weird. And then the phone rings and it is neighbor Dan calling from New York because Piper's been acting real weird. He wants to talk about it with her. And she's like, no, wait. I'm sorry, I was talking to the cat. Kid Watch 2021. Kid Watch 2021. Kid is no longer in this show. But they still reference Kit sometimes. Yes, this was a Kit reference. My God, I thought we were out of these. I thought we were officially in a Kit-free world until that follow-up clip show episode later. Nope, we are no longer, we are not in a Kit-free world yet. Also, Dan seems like he would be insufferable to date. Like... He's constantly pressuring her to move in with him, to go on vacations with him. He's like, hey, I've been on a work trip for like three days and you seem distant. Okay, so I agree with you when Dan is in town. He does seem to always kind of be pushing himself on Piper. But I have to say, he calls her and he's like, hey, you seem distant. And Piper, who thinks it would be mean to break up with him on the phone, is like, listen, We need to have a very serious conversation, but I don't want to ruin your trip, and I want to have this conversation in person, so let's just talk when you get back. And God, Piper, if you're you're not going to break up with him over the phone, then don't do whatever that was that you just did. I mean, that was essentially breaking up with him over the phone. And he knows. He's like, you know what? You don't need to pick me up at the airport. And she's like, okay, but I'll see you when you get home. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. If only, if only there was some sort of stuffed elephant she could place in his room so that he would know that they needed to talk. Okay, people aren't going to know that you, I, I mean, maybe some people will know, but most people won't know that you're referring to the worst pitch that has ever appeared on Shark Tank that we watched. We've, we've been watching Shark Tank and oh my God, the elephant in the room. A couple was pitching the idea of a stuffed elephant inside of a little, what was it? Like, a glass box or something. Well, it was like clear plastic. Yeah. It was, so it was like a clear plastic box and there's like a metal sleeve that goes over it. 
And when you need to have a conversation, you take the metal sleeve off of the box so that the elephant is in the room. And then your partner knows that you need to have a talk. And what? What? Not only is that a terrible idea, that couple is now divorced. Yes. Their, their pitch was so bad, it ended their marriage and their company went out of business. Well, also, they were only like three months into their marriage and they were like, yeah, the couples therapist that we see twice a week suggested something like this and we thought, what a great idea. Yeah, yeah, they had been married for barely any time at all and they're like, we're fighting so often and we've been to all these different marriage counselors and it's like, it's, it's not, it's not... You're not going to solve your problem by putting a stuffed elephant in a box. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is your favorite it's Shark my, Tank pitch. It's, it's my favorite Shark Tank pitch to refer to and make fun of. Because what? <laughs> anyway, we see that this kind of dark lighter and... I was wrong. The page that we see doesn't have other dark lighters. It's like in alphabetical order, so it's other things that start with an s but this is a spirit killer classification dark lighter i do like that leo points out that the book is not organized in any significant way which makes sense because it was written as witches were discovering things so it wouldn't really be indexed yes and the description in the book of shadows says that the dark lighter forces good souls into suicide through telepathic suggestion very dangerous mm. so Meanwhile, at 415 Magazine, there's a picture of Maggie, and it's all messed up because we saw the camera get messed up. Yeah. But it's Maggie kind of looking down and off to the side, kind of sad, and the picture is all blurry because there was something wrong with the digital camera. Mm -hmm. And the photo editor is like, well, now what am I supposed to run in the magazine? And I'm like, well, considering what the article is, yeah, that... Like, you have an article, inexplicably, about a woman who is unlucky despite being Irish. What? Why would you not have a sad picture of her? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I know the issue is that it's blurry, but, you know, artistically speaking, I think that's good. And, spoilers, it's way better than the one they end up running. Also, also, take a pin out of... He doesn't know if she can meet deadlines or is a good person to work with. He sent her only to take this picture that apparently was vital that he have. And he had no idea who she was. He didn't know if she was going to come back with a picture. He doesn't know if she's going to come back at all. And now he's like, now what am I going to do? And I'm like... This is kind of on you for not having a backup plan, my friend. I wonder if that reporter who was trying to expose them, you know, the one who worked for a local paper, do you think he worked for them? No, I think he worked for, you know, he worked for like an alt-weekly newspaper. So I don't think he worked for them. Anyway, this photo editor is totally over the top because he's like, you're fired and you're not just fired. I'm going to tell everyone in town that I hate you and they should never fire you. And if they see you on the street, they should spit on you. And it's like, dude. <laughs> seriously have a snickers bar yeah i love how over the top you, you will never work in photography again i'm gonna burn down your house like he goes ballistic on her which i guess might be her bad luck 
Is it, it bad? It's, it's her bad luck that she caught him in a very bad mood. <laughs> I mean, I guess getting screamed at by someone is bad luck. Yeah. Anyway, the dark lighter pops behind her and puts the intrusive thoughts in her head that you know they're all gonna starve to death because she can't get a job yeah everything's terrible there's nothing she can do and phoebe gets home and piper and leo fill her in on the whole like dark lighter thing and they realize that the car accident was because the dark lighter is targeting prue now and that they need to get to her because now she's cursed this is really off assignment for the Dark Lighter. I mean, I guess if you're evil, that sort of thing doesn't matter, but... You're right, though, because Prue wasn't going to become a White Lighter. Mm. So, this this is... this is Leo, Our understanding of suicide has changed a lot in the last 20 years. And the depictions sort of... I want to say the depictions around suicide, but Netflix has kind of been making uh, some bad choices and portraying that, you know... Yeah. But Leo says that dark lighters basically telepathically manipulate these people who are good into committing suicide because if they commit suicide, then their souls are lost. And I just, I, you know, I was thinking of the, the movie What Dreams May Come where people who committed suicide were like lost souls and... Well, I mean, go back to and, your Dante, the... I, I, the forest in the first layer of hell it's gonna be the next thing i i brought up yeah or if you prefer over the garden wall but i mean we understand that we, we even change the way we talk about it like the, the reason you say not someone committed suicide but someone died by suicide is because we understand that depression is you know an illness the same as anything else also why would being telepathically coerced into killing yourself undo a lifetime of good deeds that seems weird. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty, pretty dickish on the elders' part. I'm trying not. I'm trying to avoid the elders or dicks because that is an Allison Pregler joke from her very, very good Charmed recaps. But unfortunately, it holds so true. Yeah. But yeah, and that's that's that's. I I was gonna say. That's a kind of Old Testament punitive Christian mindset for uh, for for a group whose job is to to, to watch over witches to have. Mm. So, thinking about it, the last episode we really had a dark lighter in uh-huh. had a similar premise where Leo, before he got rid of his powers was protecting a future white lighter played by um that girl who played Lori in that 70s show yeah mm-hmm. yeah and in that the dark lighter was in love with her and his whole thing was seducing uh seducing women who were going to become white lighters into evil yeah so is it just if you pork evil guys then you don't qualify for being a white lighter or was he pumping evil into her in Gross. some way to corrupt her like, uh, like uh john constantine did in that one uh hellblazer story where he uh foils the second coming by uh having sex with the next virgin mary that's also weirdly 
conservative Christian since virginity is a construct and Virgin Mary probably isn't even the correct translation. Well, I mean, to be fair to DC's imprint or whatever, uh, the reason that that ruined her for the second coming thing is because John has demon blood in him. Ah. So technically that counted as consorting with demons. Okay. I mean, literally consorting with demons, yes. Um, no, I think the deal in that episode with the Darklighter is that the Darklighter, they don't become evil just because they have a relationship with the Darklighter, because in fact she did have a relationship with him. It's that the Darklighter then convinces them to do bad things, like Phoebe in Pardon My Past, where she started hooking up with that guy who convinced her to kill her cousins. Mm. Yes. Okay, it just seems interesting that Dark Lighters have these multiple prongs of, you know... Well, that's why we saw in the Book of Shadows that this is a specific kind. This is the spirit killer Dark Lighter. Hmm. So that one is probably like a... Gigolo Dark Lighter. A, uh... Incubus? Wow, that's way classier than any of the things that were going through my head. <laughs> Dick Lighter. Oh, God. <laughs> Dear Lord. So. So they realize that uh, Prue is. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, I think it's interesting that there are multiple ways that they give dark lighters of corrupting. I like that there are dark light. Like, I like that dark lighters have specialties, right? Like, you could be in the dick lighter division, or you could be in the spirit killer division, or I'm sure there's a dark lighter who, like. I, I'm sure there's, like, a. Bury the white lighter in paperwork division. Oh, I was thinking a, uh, like, addiction, you know, addiction that, like, you know, just pushes them into... I'm not saying being an addict makes you a bad person, but under the morality of Charmed, I'm sure it would count as some sort of moral failing, because Charmed has really weird issues with certain things, but... You You know what I would like? What? And what I would want to see some fanfiction about. I want there to be a class of dark lighter whose job it is to make you incredibly rich. Mm. And then you become amoral because you're like, hey, I earned my money. Bootstraps. Ugh. Yes. I would say there's a wealth of things. I, I like that they're exploring that, you know, dark lighters aren't just the guys that shoot crossbows at Leo, although that is a lot of what they are later in the show. I mean, Leo is very crossboltable. So they're talking about how they don't really have to worry. Prue would never hurt herself. Prue would never kill herself. And as soon as she says that, Phoebe drops the roll of film that she found earlier. That Prue never, you know, developed for some reason. And has a past munition of Prue standing on a pedestrian overpass bridge. Or, or... Highway overpass bridge. Yeah, you can tell it's teen Prue because she has bangs. Yes. And it's a very ominous moment indeed, and everyone is very nervous about this particular revelation. I would send at least one person to that bridge just immediately after having Why don't they immediately go to the... (sighs) But instead, they keep trying to call Prue on her cell phone, and they're not getting through because Prue has terrible luck, and that means terrible reception. Eh, fair. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I wasn't criticizing. That's totally fair. Although I do think that the complete inability to get through to her cell phone 
was kind of a... To stretch even then? No, no, not a stretch at all. It was kind of a time freeze. Yeah. Point. So, we now learn some backstory about Phoebe and Prue. I really don't think this fits into the show's canon. Because... Phoebe, I mean, it, it does feel like it ties into it because it's all about how Prue was, you know, sort of in charge of her two younger sisters. And when Phoebe was 16-ish, mm-hmm. she got into a car accident and Graham's... Well, so Phoebe didn't get into a car accident. Prue got into a car accident while Phoebe was a passenger. Mm. So Prue was 20 and so Phoebe was 16 or so. Yeah. And Prue ran a red light. And they got hit by a car, and Phoebe got hurt, and Prue blamed herself. Maybe 18? I'm, I'm not sure how she, big the age difference is supposed to be between Prue and... She had to be younger than 18 because she hadn't gone to New York yet. Because I, I feel like she ran off to New York as soon as she turned 18. Yeah. And, yeah, because she mentions in season one barely being 21, Mm-hmm. And I feel like she was gone for three years. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I can swear to that, but it feels right. Yes. Also, apparently she, apparently Prue got engaged slightly after that to Roger, and then she thought Phoebe slept with him. He told her that he slept with Phoebe. I don't even understand that. Like, what? who, who even does that? Demons. And he wasn't a demon. Yeah, he was just a dick. He was just a dick. Anyway, we also learn that Grams was really overprotective of all three of them. And that they really parentified Prue and made her look after her sisters. And that... Specifically that she stopped Prue from going to the East Coast College Prue wanted to go to to preserve their destiny as the Charmed Ones. Which is so counterproductive because... Knowing that fact makes it make so much sense why Prue was so angry at Phoebe for running off to New York. Mm. Like, she gave up her dream, and then Phoebe turns 18 and she takes off. Honestly, actually, I feel like that does work really well with their backstory. I know there was the whole, you know, what about Roger? But Roger was a pilot character. I think he got mentioned maybe once after that. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about him. Yeah, we're not sweating that. So, yeah, you know what? It actually does really fit in well with the uh, with the Phoebe Prue dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of like the thing where Grams, in trying to force their destiny on them, forestalled it by a few years. I really really wish we got more of grams as a caretaker to the girls when they were younger because we get a lot of grandma ghost shenanigans later in the show but grams is this benevolent but oddly sinister figure Mm -hmm. in the charmed family it makes her really really fascinating and i feel like they don't really ever do enough with that i i agree with all of those points I mean, I don't think Grams is ever shown as, like, evil, evil, but she does a lot of really surprisingly morally gray things, and it would have been interesting to see more of that explored. Also, I I know I mentioned this earlier, 
not earlier this episode, but earlier in the podcast. But God, I wish we got more of uh, Grams's relationship to the elders because you have to imagine that would be weird. Well, one of the things I, I think that draws us to Charmed is the same thing that drew us to Once Upon a Time, which is the very interesting world and backstories that are hinted at just off camera, just outside of what we get to see. I mean, it, again, it's something we've mentioned before, but I kind of want to, you know, read more about the witches that came before the Hollowells, the witches that didn't have a reliable power of three thing to destroy demons so they had to be clever by sealing them away in paintings or you know yeah yeah i mean buffy had tales of the slayers that told stories of past slayers and they're doing more charmed comics now so let's let's get let's get tales of the of the uh warren line yeah yeah let's get tales of the warrens going yeah the new charmed comics are about magic school right i mean it, it it seems like an easy entry point. I own but have not read them. But so I'll I'll, I'll report back. I've read some of the uh, season ten. Uh huh. And the season ten where Prue is not even drawn to look like Shannon Doherty because she insists likeness rights. Yeah, cause, because they didn't get the likeness rights. Yeah, like Prue comes back to life as like a ghost who possesses the body of a comatose witch. Because they couldn't get the likeness rice for Shannon Doherty. I love that. And also she's like, oh, and don't call me Prue. Call me Polly or something. Oh, I didn't know that part. They don't even use the name Prue. Oh, God. I don't think that it's been a while, but I don't think that was consistently enforced. I think she says it, but then she gets referred to as Prue later. I think. I can't swear to it. Well, I know some of our listeners at least have uh, have read the season... 10, Ten, I want to say. Yeah, I know some of our listeners have read them because one of them told us when we did Morality Bites that there's a comic that deals with that future Phoebe and what exactly she did. Yeah. Well, the fact that it was Elise, apparently. Mm. Who, uh... Well. <laughs> anyway, Prue calls her sisters. She finally got enough of a signal to call them and tell them that she is very discombobulated her car isn't working she doesn't know where she is and phoebe tries to tell her not to believe her own mind because these are all thoughts being put there by a dark lighter but the dark lighter's there so phoebe can't get that information out before the phone goes dead again we kind of skipped over it when phoebe was grilling mackie but phoebe uh asked her you know oh what was it like leading up to your suicide attempt and mackie's like oh I just, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, I was so out of it. And we're hearing Prue echo that language now. Yeah. So. Leo's throwing a temper tantrum about the fact that he doesn't have powers and therefore can't help. Yeah. Okay. Piper and Phoebe decide that they need to find Prue right away. And they don't have time to scry. They don't have time to scry, but they have time to stop by the psych ward and talk to Maggie. Okay. But they want Leo to stay at the house in case Prue comes back. And I want to say, staying at the house in case Prue comes back is doing something. But he's all like, oh no, I want to do something. I I used to have powers and now I don't. And I, I wish I could help. And, okay. I mean, you know what you could do that would be helpful? Stay here in case Prue comes back? 
Oh, I was going to say, tell them to scry. I mean, I mean. Or, hell, drive to the place that Phoebe had a premonition of Teen Prue being sad at. Literally, literally the elders already put the answer in your head. Whatever. Whatever. So, so okay, this is, this is a rarity. I, this might be the only time I ever do this. Like, I don't know. I feel like this is this is going to be like a once in a podcast thing. Are you ready? All right. This whole thing with Leo reminds me a lot of Riley in Buffy. And oh, I we you're right. We never talk about Buffy on this show. No, no, no. No, no. Wait, hear me out. Okay. Here here, here comes the shocking thing. All right. I think Charm did it a lot better than Buffy did. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I need to hear an explanation for this then. Okay. So, I mean, spoilers for the end of the episode, I guess. And I'm assuming spoilers for season four and or five of Buffy. Oh, yeah. And spoilers for Buffy. But they both have a situation where a superpowered person is in a relationship with a non-superpowered person who used to be superpowered, mm. right? Leo used to be a white lighter, but he clipped his wings to be with Piper. Riley used to be a super soldier, but then the super soldier program turned out to be creating half demon, half human abominations and had to be shut down. And also they were like injecting the super soldiers with serum that was really, really harmful to them. So Riley had to stop taking that serum and lost all his powers. They did it twice with Riley. Like, it turned out in season five that he had residual super soldier powers, like, that the original detox didn't get rid of all of them, and then he needed a second thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Riley gets upset about not having powers, and they needed to get him off of the show because they knew that he and Buffy were not endgame, and they just, they, as a boyfriend, he was done. They needed to get rid of him. So they're like, oh, well, he has to do something terrible. So I guess what we'll do is we'll have him be so annoyed at not having powers that he goes to a vampire brothel where humans pay vampires to bite them. And then Buffy's going to find out and get super mad and dump him because what the hell, Riley? And even though this is entirely out of character and not something Riley would ever do, we're just going to have him do it so that we can get him off the show. And it's like, the idea that he used to be powerful and now he needs his girlfriend to protect him and that kind of hurting his manhood in this toxic masculinity way, which causes him to pull away from Buffy and need to leave, is a perfectly good story that could have been fleshed out. But no. No. We needed to go with weird vampire sex club instead. Well, I mean, I get what they were going for because Riley's thing was always, like, he needed to feel like Buffy needed him and Buffy... Never actually needed him because... Because she's Buffy. Yeah, like, at best, he was a... Sounds too mean. Sidekick? Oh, no. I was going to... Well, essentially, I was going to say he was, like, in between her regular boyfriend's fighting levels and Xander's fighting level. He was a second-tier Scooby? He was slightly more competent Xander. 
And, like, he needed her to need him. And that was never a thing that she had. So he started letting vampires bite him because at least someone needed him, even if it was as a food source. Yeah, but that completely sold out his character. That is not in Riley's character to do that. Yeah. But they sold it out because the idea that you could just develop this kind of insecurity... uh, wasn't there i don't know i mean i think it i think it was totally in character for riley to have that particular crisis of faith i think the weird vampire prostitution thing was a bizarre way to manifest that i need to be needed and you don't need me so i need to go well no see that i need to be needed and you don't need me so i need to go that plot arc would have been fine it's it's the way that they it's the vampire prostitute thing. Yeah, that's what that's what bothers me. And it doesn't... Also, I love that Giles just knew that vampire prostitutes were a thing and he didn't tell Buffy about it. He's like, look, I feel like you have much bigger problems to worry about. I didn't think this was something I needed to tell you about. Hey, you know what? Good on Giles because his position there is, listen, that's all consensual. So you should be out there staking vampires who are biting people who are not consenting to being bitten. Yeah, actually you know that's more or less what he says in the episode and that's a pretty good point yeah anyway i do also like that in the comics that's how harmony brings vampires mainstream and she's like you know there are all these vampires that aren't killing the people they bite why don't we all just do that and then we don't have to worry about this sort of thing well i mean it's basically the deal in true blood like in true blood vampires are able to go mainstream because an uh, synthetic blood is created so vampires don't need to kill people but there are still places like the club fantasia where humans who want to get bitten go to get bitten mm. so i'm sorry i threw you completely off track leo is better than riley no 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 uh, leo's not better than riley <laughs> leo's arc is better than riley's arc because i don't feel like they need to do anything out of character for him to get him away from piper All they need to do is have him go through exactly the same arc that Riley went through, but respond the way Leo would have responded instead of selling out his character. And the way he would respond is, as we're going to see, unclipping his wings. Mm. Because he so much needs to be needed by Piper that he's going to go back to being a white lighter, even though, let's be clear... She doesn't really need him. Well, I, I know your position is that the Charmed Ones need a white lighter, so even after Leo quit, they should have had a white lighter assigned to them. Yeah, they should have sent down another white lighter. I mean, should I talk about it now, or should I hang onto it until the scene where Leo actually gets his white lighter powers back? Um, no, go ahead and talk about it now. Okay, so... I feel like one could conceivably make the argument that the Charmed Ones actually don't need a white lighter, that they get a lot sloppier when they know that healing is an option for them, Mm -hmm. because they never seem to really need to worry about healing all that much in episodes where they don't have a white lighter, but when they do have a white lighter, they get injured a lot more. Yeah, that's a good point. So I know it's just, you know, narratively narratively you you know you have to give leo something to do well it, it, it's more like 
logically they would need healing all the time but if you don't have a white lighter you can't be like oh i guess prue's just gonna be in a cast for the rest of this episode because a demon broke her leg at the beginning (laughs) yeah like it makes sense that they would get injured in their line of work but the fact that they only get injured in their line of work when there's a way to easily write it you know out yeah it just makes it seem like they get sloppy when uh, they don't have to worry about injury so all that aside, we cut to Prue walking down the street while the dark lighter walks behind her, giving her intrusive thoughts. And she sees a skateboarder about to crash into a baby carriage, so she kind of pushes him out of the way into the path of a car. But he falls off the skateboard and does not get hit by the car. Mm-hmm. But she's still like, oh no, I'm a terrible person. Well, I can't believe I almost killed that kid. And also the kid's like, oh, no, my leg in ADR, which. I, I mean, to be fair, it's the dark lighter who's putting those thoughts into her head. Like, a clear-headed Prue would have been like, well, he almost crashed in that baby carriage. I had to I had to swing him out of the way. Oh, I was talking about more, you know. what? What's wrong with your leg? Is it because you fell off the skateboard? Because that car did not touch you. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, I think it is because he fell off the skateboard. Because this is San Francisco. It's a very hilly. He was coming fast down that hill. Mm. So, over in the psych ward, Piper and Phoebe show up and are like, Hey, Maggie, we need you to save Prue, your angel. You know how you're, like, super lucky now? Please just close your eyes and point somewhere on the map. And she points somewhere on the map and they're like, Okay, see ya. To paraphrase from The Simpsons. And this Smell was... you later? No. <laughs> God. No, no, not so much that. And this is better than scrying why? I know, I know. They're like, it's faster. No, it's... Oh, whatever. Anyway, back at the manor... You have a crystal on a chain in your drawer. You take it out and you dangle it over a maple thinking about Prue. How is driving to the uh, mental hospital and having her point at the map faster? It, it's not. It is not. Or, you know, going to the place Phoebe had a premonition about. Which, by the way, is where we are now. Prue has made her way to the bridge and the dark lighter is like, okay, you know what you're going to do now. And we see... Piper and Phoebe park under the bridge and they have to run up the embankment to the top of the bridge so they can talk Prue out of jumping off of the bridge. Yes. Bridge. Bridge. In case I hadn't said that enough. In that. Uh, Prue says that she remembers when she was up here before she was not going to kill herself, but the dark lighter... Brain convinces her that she was. Yeah. He also reminds her that it's her fault that Andy is dead, which is also not true. She, she told him not to come and he came. He knew what was, he knew what was up. Yes. But, uh, also nice Andy reference. I know. I love when there's continuity. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he got, he got Jesse'd pretty quick. Like, we got a few mentions of him in season two, but then, uh. What's his bucket rolled around? Jack. Well, Jesse died immediately, so I, isn't he more like he got grammed? Yeah, he got grammed. Graham from Once Upon a Time, not Grams. Yes. Grams 
even after death shows up quite a bit. It is true. So, back at the manor, Leo's like, I can't believe there's nothing I can do. Surely I could do something. He throws a full-on man-baby temper tantrum in the attic. Yeah, he does. And then he prays to the elders to give him his powers back, and he gets his powers back, and he's like, wow, that was... Surprisingly easy. I had to be blown up, you know, trying to save soldiers last time. I guess that doesn't count as suicide if you're, like, going into a situation where you're definitely going to die on the off chance you can save someone before you do. Yeah, that's a noble sacrifice. Okay, and therefore not suicide. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, this was way easier than that. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think the deal was always that he was going to return to being a white lighter when he asked to. It's just now he, now, he, now he can't date Piper. Ha ha. Wah wah. Also, I suppose elevated beings really love man whining. They do. They do. I do love that the whole thing ends up being more or less pointless because Phoebe and Piper are like, hey, Prue, you don't want to kill yourself. And Prue's like, oh, hey, hey you're right. I don't. They're, Screw you, dark lighter man. Right. They're like, it's a dark lighter manipulating you. And she's like, oh, oh, it is. And the dark letter is like, I'll I'll get you someday. And she's like, no, you won't. And she telekinetically uh, shoves him just kind of to the side. And she's like, I wish I had a finishing power. <laughs> Leo orbs in and like... Orb tackles him. But the thing is, it, it's, a very, it's a very show orb tackle because everyone is already fine. And then Leo is... Leo orbs the dark lighter to death. Which well, he, he orbs him. He orbs away while holding on to the dark lighter who orbs with him. I assume he took him to dark. I, I assume he took him to white lighter land to be like imprisoned in white lighter jail. Or I mean, the elders have those lightning bolts. They probably just ah yeah. But the guy acts like it's a vanquish. Like as Leo is orbing away with him, he's like ah. Yeah. And Prue's like. That's, that's the, the end, end of, of that, that chapter. chapter. So back at the manor, everything's getting all wrapped up. Yeah, Prue finally developed the film that she gave to Phoebe in Act 1, because as Chekhov told us, if an undeveloped role of film shows up in Act 1, it must be developed by Act 3. Yes, and it's the picture of the bridge, and she talks about how she was really sad, and bridges are sad places, but she was never going to jump. She just wanted to take some sad pictures because she was a sad, sad, I was going to say teenager, but I guess 20-year-old. Yeah, it's close enough. But she never developed the pictures because she was too sad to deal with it. But now she can deal with it, which she does by burning the pictures that she just spent all that time developing. That was a good use of time, Prue. Yeah. Also, apparently she went back and took another picture of Maggie and... And it was in the magazine, which... Is the article still about her having bad luck or has that changed now? Because that weird Sears ass picture of... uh, of Maggie that's in it is just... Yeah, it looks like a Sears uh, portrait studio picture. and she, She's doing the thing that certain uh, school photographers had you do where you, like, rest your hand on your uh, face, or your face on your hand, rather. Yeah, and it's it's just the... It's just the silhouette... I mean, it's just her, right? They cut all the background out, mm-hmm. and they put behind her a giant uh, four-leaf clover. 
Because she's Irish. The article's actually literally called The Luck of This Irish. Oh my god, that's... That feels borderline offensive. Ugh. If you put, like, the or this in front of someone's race or nationality, yes. I feel like it's bad, no matter how neutral the term initially was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... The doorbell rings and Piper goes to get it and, uh... It's Leo. She's expecting Dan. She's like, maybe Dan got back from his trip early, but nope, it's Leo. Yeah. And things are super complicated now because even though Leo has his wings back now, which means they can't date now, she... Eh. I know, well, well, we'll deal with that in the coming weeks, but she can't be with Dan knowing that she was seconds away from dumping him for Leo. So she's going to proceed with plan dump Dan and... You know, maybe it's forbidden, but eh, let's not close the door on Piper and Leo just yet. Wink. Yep. All right, so... That was Murphy's luck. Really kind of dated views on suicide aside, I feel like it's a pretty solid charmed entry. Oh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed this episode. I, I, yeah, solid, solid episode. So I believe it's about time for us to dip into our own power of three. Uh, Let us gaze into the past, present, and future and see who is, was, or will become famous. We're going to invoke a little premonition here. So obviously I think some people know, and I I know that clearly if you Google, you would see that a very, very famous person is in this episode. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You mean... Arnold Vosloo. Uh, uh, who? Arnold Vosloo. He's Imhotep in the Mummy movies. And also he's the Dark Lighter in this, in this movie. That's who he... I spent the whole episode going like, he looked so familiar. I kept on thinking like, it's not, it's not Billy Zane, right? Because he's, he's too... He does kind of have a Billy Zane look now that you mention it. He has a Billy Zane quality, but I'm like, no, that's not Billy Zane, but... Yeah, no, I think this might be the most famous person who's appeared in any Charmed episode. I don't know that anyone has gone on to have as storied a career as him. You're really building this up, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Do your premonition. Okay, my premonition is... Uh, I, keep wanting to, I keep wanting to call her Molly. Maggie. Uh, is the actress who played Maggie someone you might know as Tara's cousin on Buffy. Or the hot girl from The Office. Yeah. Or alternatively, Academy Award winner, Amy Adams. Yes. Which Wait, did she winner, win? I was supposed to say, I know she was at least nominated. And she, she's, you know who Amy Adams is. She's, she was the princess in Enchanted. She was Lois Lane in the Snyderverse uh, DC Extended Universe movies. She was in that Southern Amazon show, right? They're hulu or whatever about that lady who's like a reporter or something or she's a drug addict or something and she goes back to her hometown and sharp objects yeah sharp objects yeah that we watch like three episodes from and then we're like yeah yeah well i i i would be willing to watch the rest of it with you i i wasn't as uh since i already read the book and i already know what happened i i wasn't i wasn't as driven to finish it yeah Oh, you're right, though. She's only ever been nominated for Academy Awards, but she was nominated 
in 2006, 2009, 2011, 2013, 2014, and 2019. Jesus, why doesn't she have one of those uh, Leonardo DiCaprio reputations? Yeah, six-time Academy Award nominee. Jeez. Muppet movie didn't clench it for her, huh? Unfortunately, no. It really should have. Or was it just the Muppets at that point? Because the first Muppet movie was the Muppet movie, right? And then... The Amy Adams one was just the Muppets. Yeah, I think that's right. That sounds right to me. But yes, those are our two big premonitions for this episode. Arnold Vosloo and Amy Adams, who is... God, she works really hard. She's been in a ton of stuff. She has. Like, I I mean, I, I like her. I'm always happy when I see her. But looking at her filmography, it's like, wow, get it, you know? One of the things I really like about the uh, Man of Steel universe is that it, it has the not always, but I feel like should usually be canon that Lois Lane is older than Clark Kent. Mm, yeah. Which is has never been a consistent thing, but it does appear in some stuff. And it makes sense because she's an established reporter by the time he, he starts working at the Daily Planet. So. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Since, uh, since we're talking about... <laughs> How she was so very Irish in this episode. Mm. I feel like I want to mention a terrible movie she was in called Leap Year. Oh, that's about the one time of year that women can can, uh, can propose to men according to some witch in her hometown or something. It's an actual tradition, except it's ridiculous. But mm. yes, supposedly Leap Year is the one time that women can propose to men. So she... Travels across rural Ireland to find her partner so she can propose to him. And guess what? She falls in love with her traveling companion instead. Oh, sorry. Did I spoil it? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was conflating it. with I nearly said Maid of Honor, which is... That's a different movie. Yeah, that's about Patrick uh, McDreamy or McSteamy. McDreamy, I think. McDreamy. Uh, Pat Patrick something, right? You watch Grey's Anatomy, do not... Patrick Dempsey. It's about Patrick Dempsey. It's basically my my best friend's wedding, except Patrick Dempsey's, like, the bridesmaid, or the maid of honor, except he's a dude, and it's a woman he's in love with, and I don't know what happens, because I uh, most of what I remember is the uh, standee at my local movie theater. So I did see that movie, mm-hmm. but literally the only thing I remember of it is that... He was super rich because he invented the coffee collar, which is the little paper thing that goes around your hot coffee when you go to Starbucks. Mm. Okay. It's literally the only thing I remember from that movie. So now that we're really incredibly off topic by talking about movies that reminded us of other movies (laughs) that someone in this episode was in, we should move on to our second segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dated the episode for you? Uh, so I had one, which was, which we didn't mention when we were watching the episode, but when Daryl is telling Prue that Maggie saw her, Maggie saw an angel, he yeah. says that she saw an angel and she didn't look like Della Reese, yeah. which is a reference to Touched by an Angel. Speaking of Ireland. Is that an Irish show? Uh, no, but the actress who wasn't Della Reese in that, like, the main actress was Irish. Oh, oh, okay. 
And she was also making like four times what Della Reese was making, which is why Della Reese did not show up for like the last two seasons. Ooh, I do not like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was the it was a very popular show about angels coming down and helping people's lives. You know, angels were really having a moment in the early 2000s. Yeah, they were really in pop culture at that time. They were a huge thing. I feel like we're due for an angel resurgence. Oof. I mean... I feel like we had a little one with Supernatural and that Legion movie. But Oh yeah, I forgot that the Legion movie was about angels. But like I I really feel like we're due for another angel uh period. Uh. Yeah, it's not the worst trend ever. Uh, there was this really funny somebody did a like full-length dissection of someone wrote that I actually think an Australian author wrote it was basically Twilight, except the girl was supernatural, mm-hmm. and she was an angel. But other than that, it followed the same plot structure as Twilight. Okay, so, but was the girl Edward or was the girl Bella? The girl was still Bella, despite being an angel. So there's this human-ass dude who's protecting her from all this stuff, including a demon that wants to corrupt her. Wow, I kind of want to read that, or at least read somebody reading it and writing about it. Yeah, that's why I'm disappointed I can't find the dissection of it anymore, because, I mean, it's nuts. That, that is nuts. But also there's a slight ebony darkness dementia way thing going on. Ah, yes. It, where, except instead of judging girls for not being uh, goth enough, instead... She's constantly slut-shaming every girl she sees. Because she's an angel. And that's what angels do. The I'm author, sure it's not, but... The author was like 19, though. It was one of those things where they're like, hey, we can make a lot of money off of the Twilight craze if we... This is so off-topic. We were talking about hey, time freeze. Hey, I'm not like other girls. I'm a giant wheel with a hundred eyes. <sighs> Some angel humor for you. I think the main character's name was Bethany. Of course it was. Yeah, I mean... Let's do our last segment. Oh, I had my time freeze with oh, basically course. everything Alyssa Milano was wearing in this episode. Yes, it was very of its time. Yes. So that will take us to our last segment. Telekinesis, what, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Uh, honestly, hearing the backstory of... When Prue was 20 and Grams wouldn't let her go to the East Coast and she blamed herself for the car accident with, with Phoebe. Like, that whole backstory that really fleshed out what their relationship was like and kind of explained some more about the distance between them. I, I liked that. It, it, it moved me. Mm. I think my, uh, I don't want to say big thing, but... Because it, it was a pretty small moment, but I really liked the scene with Amy Adams where... Maggie, where she's talking to Daryl about how just she doesn't want him contacting her family. Mm. Where she's just like, I can't have people I care about around me. That's not, I, 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 I'm not willing to put them at risk of just being around me. And that got to me a little bit. I mean, it was more the strength of Amy Adams because she does her surprisingly she's a really good actor and i know she she hit that level of hysteria really well yeah she hit those notes yeah yeah and 
that will actually, I think, take us to our secret fourth segment, because I have something for it. Okay, our secret fourth segment. Our A- powers have evolved. We have... Astral projection. What was so bad, embarrassing, cringeworthy that it made you want to leave your body? Okay, so there's a weird thing with this for me. I didn't mention it when we were talking about it, but... I think the filmography, the shot composition in the part of the episode where Leo demands that he gets his powers back, I think that's really good. There are all of these really cool shots with him being reflected in this mirror. Mm-hmm. And there are all of these very interestingly angled shots. It's ruined because you have Leo just whining and complaining and... I want my powers back. I can't help anyone if I don't have my powers. Hey, he's doing all of the acting there. Yeah, he usually has Holly Marie Combs to kind of carry him. And it's supposed to be this like big, powerful rage against the heavens. But it just comes off as him being a whiny man, baby. I am. I didn't have as much of a problem with that scene as you did, but I definitely can see that. Honestly, I feel like if the shots hadn't been so good, I wouldn't have noticed how bad his acting was. Huh, interesting. Hmm. Because I'm like, someone was someone was putting in effort. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, it's weird, because sometimes I feel like Brian Krause does a good job acting, but that moment was not one of those times. Well, it was a hard scene, and he didn't have anyone to act against, so... Mm. So that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, so next time we're talking about how to make a quilt out of Americans. Mm. And the plot description from Google Play is a group of three elderly witches, one of them close friends of the Hallowell's grandmother, summon a demon to restore their youth. However, in return, the demon wants the powers of the charmed ones. Shocker. That's what they all want, right? <laughs> Men- Max, listen. Men only want one thing. The power of the charmed ones. So, it's weird Grimms had a witch friend that, like, the girls didn't think about talking to about witch stuff at any point, or didn't feel like talking to the girls about witch stuff at any well, point. Well, they didn't know any witch stuff, so the girls wouldn't have known to contact her. You'd think she would have known to contact them, though. I mean... She was busy building a demon in her basement to give her her youth back. Ugh. But we'll talk about that later. Mm. So for now, I think that about does it. Yeah. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Mara Cruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. <laughs> <laughs>